Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Well, we are on this series called The King and the Kingdom. Today is really important because it it speaks to um, a vision I had probably when I was 22 years old. And the vision was uh, was this, and I've shared it before, but it was um, these churches that were having a church service, they're worshiping God. And I, I was like, I was in the sky looking down on churches that didn't have roofs on it. And all of a sudden I, I heard this trumpet sound and Jesus was coming and, and looking at the sea of churches worshiping. And yet I only saw a handful of churches acknowledging and seeing that Jesus was coming back. And I was kind of shaken up by that. How is it that people can be in church singing songs to Jesus and yet not aware of his return. Now that was my a vision or a dream that I had and, and so we always have to match up those things with scripture, right? And so today I'm going to be talking about what is it going to mean for us to be ready for Jesus' return? Now I'm, I'm going to suggest a couple things here today and I'm, I'm prefacing them as suggestions because there's room for interpretation in some of these things. But I think we should all be, have a sober mind of thinking this through. So, first of all, I want everybody on the count of three, three to say, Jesus is Lord, one, two, three. Jesus is Lord. Okay. So let me read a verse for you. Not everyone who says, Jesus is Lord, or Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. By the way, say to me meaning Jesus. Many will say to Jesus, Lord, Lord, did not we prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. How is it that Jesus is saying, depart from me, when people were going around doing all these great things in Jesus' name? Now, this word, we have to understand this word, um, I never knew you, that word, which we'll talk about a little bit more. This knowing is really a, a word that describes a level of intimacy. It's not just a head knowledge. It really is a, uh, a very intimate knowing. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 25, um, verse 1 through 13. You'll see a scripture up here. Now, I gave you a whole list of scriptures because some of you are like, hey, I can't remember those references because I, um, I don't always reference everything that I'm saying. But I, I'm putting those scriptures up there so you can go back and look at them yourself. So if you want to write some of these down, if you're taking notes... Uh, probably if there's any message, I think they're all worthy of taking notes, but this is one that I feel like is very, um, very determining for every single one of us to know where we land when Jesus comes back. If there's a possibility that it's not just a prayer that saves us, It's just not believing that saves us, that there's something more. You know, in Philippians, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote to the church in Philippi, he says to work out your faith in fear and trembling. It's not just like, 
oh, I just need to be afraid, but it's kind of like this sobering thought of, wait a second, maybe I can't be living my life as casually as I think maybe I can. See, if we treat Jesus as kind of the get out of the jail free card or the um, he is my savior, but I'm not going to do what he's asked me to do. I just, he forgives us of our sins and therefore I can do whatever I want. And I would, I would caution you from living that way or viewing Jesus that way. So we're going to read this parable. Again, a parable is a story that creates some understanding, some spiritual meaning to, to the kingdom of God. And so in Matthew chapter 25, it's the parable of the ten virgins. And when I was telling people I was going to do this parable, they said, you're going to use that V word? <laughs> like, as if this is funny. Crickets. How come I hear crickets around here? All right. There's some significance to that, so don't get too weirded out about it. So um, I'm going to read this parable, but before I do, I want you to kind of understand some, uh, some components to this parable. First of all, like who is he talking about? Well, first of all, the, 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 the virgins in this story um, would be considered those who are pure, undefiled, those are considered those saved by God's grace, right? Because we know that there's defilements in, in us before Jesus, and it's Jesus, what he did, the work on the cross that makes us pure and holy, correct? Correct. The other thing is we are known as the bride. The bride is the church, and Jesus is the bridegroom. And so we're going to read some of this together. First of all, I also don't want you to get discouraged. I don't want you to leave here saying, oh man, I I can never get this. I can never accomplish this. And therefore you just kind of like give up, please. You don't want to give up. So today I'm going to help you to have some level of understanding and have some confidence to know what, how to be ready for when Jesus comes and to ensure that you have, um, you truly are at that place of accepting the full salvation of Jesus Christ. Well, that's my message. You guys can go home. You want to know what that is? Okay, let's read this together. Okay, Matthew 25. Then the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. I I want to say the significance of lamps. The lamps in this story have to do with um, our life, the light that we shine. And, um, you know, the the script says, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. You remember that old um, uh, nursery song or Sunday school song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And, and the whole idea is that we are to be a light to this world, reflecting the goodness of Jesus wherever we go. So that's what the lamp represents. I also want to let you know a little bit about the oil. The oil also represents the Holy Spirit. It's all symbolism throughout Scripture, what the oil is. Okay. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. Think about this. Five foolish, five wise. 
wise. For when the foolish took their lambs, they took no oil with them. That's an important part of this. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they became drowsy and slept. Remember, who's the bridegroom? Jesus. Okay. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. Now remember, Jesus came back in the middle of the night while all were sleeping. Now it's important to know that because there's another scripture that says nobody knows the time or the hour of which Jesus returns. He will return like a thief in the night. Remember that scripture? So that whole idea is, well, I'm just going to live my life until we see the signs, until everything's lined up, and then I'll kind of get my life right, and then I'll be set here in this parable. And here we find now the scriptures that Jesus will come when it's least expected. As the bridegroom was delayed, they became weary and drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready, went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Those who were ready. Afterwards, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. That word knowing is that level of intimacy, knowing. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Oh man, so much symbolism here. So much uh, filled with um, meaning and understanding for us. The interesting thing, there are 10 virgins, 10 people that I would say consider themselves Christians. They've made the decision to follow Christ. They're white, they've got their robes on, they've got their marriage garments on. And, and here they go and they have their lamp. They once had oil in their lamp and they were a light to the world. And they were following the expectation that Jesus was going to return. All 10 of them. But how many got in? That means if we were to take the center of the aisle, that you guys are in, you guys are out. Not in this church, though. But in this story, that is. And that's why my heart for you is I don't want any one of you to not be prepared and not ready. Not one. And so this is why it's important that we look at this. So every single one of them were virgins. Every single one of them had lamps. Every single one of them had oil for a season. The difference between the wise and the foolish had to do with how much oil they're carrying with them. And if the oil represents the Holy Spirit, then my my question for you is, what happened to the people that started with oil and started with um, their lamp and their, their light was being shown and then all of a sudden... They weren't prepared. Could it be that each one of us could also face that same challenge? 
that we made a decision to follow Jesus at some point in time and that we were doing the right thing. We did, we were the light of the world and then somehow our oil ran out and we got a little dry and a little crusty and we lost our passion and we lost the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us. It, it might sound like that you're saying, well, is, are we saying that it's not true that once you're once saved, always saved? I'm just making a suggestion that according to this scripture that, that leaves us questioning whether or not we can enter in by just a prayer. Now, we do know the thief on the cross. Before you guys get all freaked out, it's like, oh my word, I, I don't know if I'm in or not. We do know the, the thief on the cross, all he did is he acknowledged Jesus Christ the day that he was hanging with Jesus and Jesus says, today you'll be in paradise with me. So we do know that. But we also know that saying the prayer alone will not make you ready because the Bible says that even the demons believe. So it's not just believing in Jesus. Like I said the prayer, I believe. But it says even the demons believe. In James 2.19, you say you have faith for, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and tremble in terror. Is that enough? See, there's another scripture in Hebrews 3.14, and I think this brings some, shed some light to this whole idea of preparedness and our oil staying filled in our lives, the Holy Spirit staying full in us. In Hebrews 3.14, it says, For if we are faithful to the end, can we say till the end? Faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Faithful to the end. See, I think the point here Jesus is trying to tell us is we have to live every day as if he's returning today. We have to live every day like he's returning today. When you wake up tomorrow morning, you say, am I ready for his return? Am I ready? Well, John 10, 27 through 28 says this, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. You see, it really comes down to the knowing part, the knowing part. My sheep, we are his sheep, we are his bride, we are also his sheep, remember he's the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So there's something about knowing and following. Now some would say, well, I just follow the rules. Well, you follow the rules, but are you, do you, does Jesus know you? Do you know Jesus? See, the Pharisees were great about following the rules. And Jesus didn't like the Pharisees a whole lot because they brought death into people's life and not life, not freedom. They brought bondage into their life. And so we know that's not the answer, just following all the rules. It says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. 
My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. See, this is the key right here. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. There's something about this knowing and following. This knowing and obedience to the Spirit of God that dwells inside of us. So I believe it's being known by Jesus is what makes us ready. You see, you say, I know Jesus, right? We all said this in the room, Jesus is Lord. We all would say we know Jesus, but the question is, does Jesus know you? Oh, oh, you all say you know Jesus, but the question is, does Jesus know you? And not just the, he's all-knowing God, which is, what's that word for an all-knowing God? Omniscient. But does he know you? In other words, this level of intimacy that when he asks you to do something, he asks you to correct something in your life, he asks you to respond to a need, that you're doing it out of lovingly obedient to him, and you respond, and that's the relational of knowing. So you say you know Jesus, but the question is, does Jesus know you? I'll give you a really easy example of this. So how many people would say they they know the President of the United States? You you know him, right? I mean, you know of him. All right, how many people say you know of, of the President of the United States? Really? Some of you don't know the President of the United States. That's amazing. Or you don't want to admit that you know the President of the United States. All right. I get that part. So the reality is most every one of us does. Now, I would guess the other part of this is we follow the laws of the land for the most part, right? Some of you go a little bit over the speed limit, but for the most part, you know the laws of the land and you follow them, right? Okay. So let's say the president's having a party at the White House and you hear about it. And by the way, the president has been sending you repeated invitations, but you've been so preoccupied with your life, you've never taken the moment to open those invitations, or you thought they were fake, like after all, the president inviting you. But anyways, then you decide to say, you know what? I think this is really real. I see a lot of people going to this party. And you show up at the party, and you're like, I'm here. And you catch the president's eye from a distance. It's like, hello, it's me. It's me. Hello, I'm here. And he's going to like, uh, security, well, he probably won't have that in his ear, right? Only the security guys do. Uh, security, why can you remove that part? I don't know who that is. Oh, Mr. President, don't you know me? It's like, I, I don't know you. You can't come in. Now, that level of knowing is a little different than the knowing of Jesus, but it's that point, right? We would say that we sing to Jesus, we know him, and we can actually say, we can, we can even pray to him, like one-way dialogue, monologue, I should say, and, and we could actually even follow the rules of the book, like the Pharisees did, But we realize that at the end of the day, it's about if Jesus knows us that's going to get us into this wedding feast. Now, the question I do have, and I still have it, I want to be honest with you. I don't know what this wedding feast is. Does that represent our complete salvation in Jesus? Or does it mean that we get in to be part of the celebration when he returns to earth? 
That's a part that I'm still wrestling through. But I want to encourage you, write this verse down. You want to do your own self-study to be a little bit more sure? Revelations chapter 19 talks about this marriage feast, this, this feast, this wedding feast. And that one is a little bit more descriptive about those who are not wearing the right wedding garment and then they're cast out and then they're cast out in separation from Jesus. So do, they, do these stories match? I believe they will, but I don't have 100% confidence in that yet. But I believe that the Spirit of God will speak to you. Because that's not really the point. Because if you're trying to figure that out, then you're trying to say, what, what little parts can I get away with to really make sure I get in? And I'm only going to do just the least amount so I can get in. Instead, you should, every single one of you, be saying, how do I know the Lord and how does the Lord know me? And the way we do is when Jesus sees us, he goes, oh, you're familiar to me. I see my spirit in you. Right? That's the oil. That's the oil, the lamp of the oil. That is his spirit that resides inside of us. If the worship team wants to come, and in a moment I'm going to be calling the, the teens up here. But I really want us to begin to, to focus on this big idea. If there's a big idea I want, want you to walk away with is, is this. Jesus knows us by the Holy Spirit in us. Jesus knows us by the Holy Spirit in us. And you're saying, well, well, don't I have the Holy Spirit just automatically in us when I, I said the prayer? I would say, yeah. You, but, but remember that scripture says, I want you to start, I want you to finish your journey like you started your journey. Like when you gave your life to Christ, you were on fire for him. And then life got busy. Life got dis- with, filled with disappointments. Life, whatever, got pre- you got preoccupied and you no longer were concerned about your relationship with Jesus. And at that point in time, there were five people in this story that I believe once said the prayer that they show up at this wedding feast and Jesus, I don't, I don't know, I don't recognize you. And it's because they didn't have the oil with them. They didn't have the oil inside of them. They didn't have the Holy Spirit inside of them. And I believe that, that we could be a follower of Jesus, and, but yet the Holy Spirit kind of can leak out of us. There's some things that could crowd our lives away from the life-giving, the life that the Holy Spirit gives us. And I do believe that time when Jesus sees us, he's going to say, I know you because I see my spirit in you. There's a level of familiarity. So Jesus knows us by the Holy Spirit in us. And it means this. Yeah, is it just the rules? No. Is it just the prayer? No. No. But I do believe that as the Holy Spirit's in us, he's going to ask us to do the rules. But he's going to give us the grace and the empowerment to do it. Otherwise, it's on our own self-will, self-determination. Now, that's pride. Teens, can you just kind of come up here, line up either sides? 
What I really felt as, as the kids were going to camp a couple weeks ago and I saw that they were really receiving something of significance from the Holy Spirit. You guys can share either side. We've got to make it. Look at them all. Oh, my word. I love these young people. Whew. Yeah. Oh, just keep going down the sidelines there, too. It might be helpful for some people who are like, I'm afraid to come forward. Just line down the sides down here, too. You're good. Spread out, guys. You're like all like feeling comfortable around each other. I know. Jesse, you're a teen? Hey, can I tell you what? This Miss Jesse, she is an amazing youth uh, director. But I want to let you know that I want you to live so prepared for Jesus' return that every single one here, when you meet Jesus face to face, you hear the trumpet call and, and the bridegroom has come and then he's going to say, I know you, 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 I know all of you. And he's going to say, come on in. Come on into this feast, to this banquet. And I don't want any one of you to say, feel like, you know what? I thought I was going to go in. I said the prayer. And then realize that you're going to be faced with disappointment to say, but I, I don't know you. Who, who are you? The only way that he knows who you are in that knowing way, that intimate way, is that you have the oil of the Holy Spirit so living inside of you. Now, I'm going to call you as we worship here. I'm going to ask you. Now, you know, some people say, well, why do we do this? The laying on of hands. They're, they're going to pray for you and they're going to put a hand on your shoulder or, or, um, or hold your hand or something like that. But... But there's something about scripturally that says the laying on of hands. There's, there's something about this transference of something. Now, you don't have to. You can just sit in your seat and ask. The Bible says you ask, you receive. You ask of the Holy Spirit, you will receive. Luke 11, 11 says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish will instead give him a serpent, or if he asks for an egg, give him a scorpion. And if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? It's asking. It's asking. So if you would say, you know what, I just want a fresh touch. I feel a little depleted in my spiritual life. I feel like you know, I've said the prayer or whatever, whatever life it is. Because we know what, guess what? You can be a, a Christian for 50 years and still get depleted of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to reside in you. We will just stand for a moment. I'm just going to pray over us. And then I really want you to, to respond as worship is going on. I want you to pick one of these kids. And they're going to pray in, in groups and teams. And, and they want to pray for you. But also know if you don't come forward, I want you to leave with confidence to know that the Spirit of God wants to dwell inside of you. That's the way that Jesus knows you. It's by the Holy Spirit in us. So ask.
and you'll receive. Father, I just pray that you would just continue to reside fully in us, that not one of anybody here today or those who are listening online would walk away with this level of doubt in their mind, but they would wake up each day and say, fill me afresh with your spirit. Let not my lamp go out. Let not the oil of your Holy Spirit run dry. That we would be ready for your return. Jesus, I pray that as these these teens pray over this congregation, that there would be something of great significance that would take place in each one of our lives. For the giver of the gift, we thank you, Lord Jesus. You are the giver of the gift. Jesus, you give us your Holy Spirit so freely. You don't hold it back from us. We might say we're not good enough, but actually that's why we need the Holy Spirit to to encourage us, to build us up, to empower us. So Father, I don't want one person to say, I'm not good enough to receive prayer. I'm not good enough to receive this. None of us are. But Jesus, you've made us good enough by what the work of on the, on the cross. Father, I pray for our open hearts. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 